This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Kerry Dixon Show with the Chelsea legend himself, Mr. Kerry Dixon. And of course, it's in association with ChelseaFan12.com, the home of the 12th man, the fan. And do check their website out. It's got some fantastic memorabilia, uh, signed shirts by current players and uh, past legends like Kerry and Frank Lampard, you name it. And of course, they also do a video uh, with the wonderful Ron Chopper-Harris and Gary Chivers at the Butcher's Hook uh, pub, which is opposite Stamford Bridge after every home game. And of course, you can follow them uh, Chelsea fan twelve on Twitter at fan twelve Chelsea. Kerry, how are you? Yes, I'm fine, thanks, Dave. It's been uh, it's been an interesting uh, time for Chelsea as always. Uh, today we're going to kick off with the, uh, the Swansea game, which uh, was uh, it kind of you know we hung on for a bit, but at the end of the day it was it was four away wins in a row, which we haven't done since uh, September, and I, I kind of makes me wonder you know recent form of Chelsea and Conte kind of discover rediscovered a bit of form. Do you think? Um, I wouldn't say it's form. I, I would say you know prior to the game I, I would have said you know it's one of them games we should win if you know if we're in serious contention for um, the Premier League and all and. Uh, all, all other trophies which we might want to win. Um, it's, it's just a situation that um, I found the game, if I'm being honest, a, a bit of a bore. Um, mm. But it's about three points at this stage of the season. You know, it's about getting the win. Um, the reason I say that, of course, is, is there's still, and I'm one of these old old school people until it's mathematically impossible, um, there's still a chance that we can catch someone for fourth place, whether it be Liverpool, Tottenham or whatever. Um, the I mean, I'm not saying it's realistic, but but there is a chance, and of course, it, that that situation brings into play this uh, the game this weekend, and uh, and a little bit of luck required elsewhere, and, and a few things to go our way. But um, to that extent, the Swansea game 
was a was a three point must. And although I, you know, well, I don't know whether I'm in, in a minority here, I found the game a bit of a bore. Um, I, I, th- I think that the fact we come away with the three points is is what was required on the day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, it wasn't necessarily... Pre- I think it was disappointing because, you know, we went up, uh, you know, a goal up really early after four minutes. And I, I think there's a sense that, you know, we know we're better than Swansea. So we should have gone on and won very, very comfortably. And I think we were hanging on a bit towards the end. And I think therein lies the frustration. And I think it's compounded by the general frustration that we've that we felt a lot this season. I mean, it's interesting, actually, because Conte was quite critical... Uh, afterwards of the of the team's goal scorers. In fact, I, you know, to be honest, I, I felt he played it really straight. He said, look, you know, if your top goal scorer only scores 12 goals, then, you know, you can't really be expected to be challenging for much. I mean, he, he's got a point, hasn't he? No disrespect to anyone who's ever listened to me talk. Uh, I'm patting myself <laughs> on the back here. You know, I, I've been saying it for, for weeks and months. Um, exactly the same thing. You know, um, you talk about being a manager. You just, the team's all above you. You've got players scoring 25, 30 goals a season. They're top scorers. And we've got a top scorer, you know, in the club, who's effectively a, a left winger, um, scored about 12 to 14 goals a season. Um if you done a, if you did a synopsis or a roundup of the season and 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 you look back on it all, um, it, the blatant facts stare you straight in the face. Diego Costa's goals, uh, uh, Frank Lampard missing, and you know you look at recent times and there's no goals in the team. Um, collectively, collectively you can put 13, 14, 12, 15. You know, it's a poor return in terms of. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would endeavour to say that there, there would be teams below us whose front three to, or front six would have more goals. I don't know. But, you know, that's the department. People say shaky defence, we're always liable to leak one. You know, but the, the reality is you don't win a league with a top scorer on 14 goals. Mm, no, absolutely think, right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he had a point and it, it was interesting to see him come out with that. Um, one of the other uh, contentious things that a lot of people talked about was uh, IU's foul on Cahill right towards the end of the game. Um, I mean, you played in a different era when I suspect things like that, you know, happened all the time and wouldn't nobody he, batted an eye. But I mean, you know, what did, what did you think of it? Even get, yeah, probably wouldn't even get a booking. Uh, yeah. But um, well, in days gone by. Uh, yeah. in, in the current climate, a referee could see it whichever way he wanted to see it. It could have been a red, it could have been a, a yellow. Um, it certainly warranted action. Um, mm. But... Um, I don't know. It, it, you know, the modern, modern football in terms of what type of contact did he mean it and how it's how it's argued. You know, we've already gone over it on the show on, on numerous occasions on people's perception of what's a foul, what's what should be a penalty, what shouldn't be this or what shouldn't be that, what should be a sending off. Um, it still differs, even with VAR and people looking at it from diff- different angles. Um, the intention was the intention there was the foot off the ground. Did he get a touch? I mean. People argue these points all the time. Yeah. Uh, effectively, it was a foul. It was uh, only I who would know is it the intention. Um, it was yellow, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, yeah. and argu- arguably a red. You know, it was one of them. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, I, I think Cahill's reaction was was uh, interesting because I mean, he's a pretty level-headed lad, so he was clearly upset. But uh, John John Moss, who was staring right at it, it should be said. Uh, did nothing but there you go um listen the other thing that's happened this week of course is uh is the youth team winning their fifth fa youth cup final in a row against arsenal on monday night and uh 
I mean, it's a fantastic achievement. They've now emulated the Busby Babes in winning five in a row, and they've actually won seven in the last nine. Uh, and I think, you know, overall, the youth development at the club's been absolutely phenomenal. It, it does seem to be streets ahead of the competition, not just in England, but they, they do pretty well in Europe too. So, I mean, what, what do you think the secret of their success has been? Well, no disrespect, but uh, top of the list is Neil Bath and Jim Fraser. Um, the people who run the academy, and uh, then of course under uh, under them, if you like, the the coaches that are employed with the, with the with the kids, and they've obviously got it right. Um, this is what it's designed for, and I'm sure um, the idea of Roman Abramovich is is that a similar situation could be um, duplicated at the in the first team as such. So they they recruit the kids, they train the kids, they get them right, they get them in a manner that uh, befits, and. You know, if the kids develop along the lines that, you know, they're expected, then they develop. And, and Chelsea have effectively good teams at all levels. And people say, oh, well, they pay, they throw loads of money at it and so on. But listen, they're competing with people in the world. They're competing with, competing with the Real Madrid's. They're competing with uh, the Manchester Cities. They're competing with everyone else with money and so on. And this is the situation. Um They've got a team uh, um, and they've got an ethic that works. They've got good coaches and congratulations to Jody Morris, the latest, um, obviously, youth team manager to um, collect the trophy. Um, Well done to him. Um, He's a good lad and I'm pleased for him. Um, There's been lots of uh, coaches in the past who who, won the FA Youth Cup uh, with Chelsea. Good managers, good coaches. And, um, I mean, I, I think, I don't know if Brendan Rodgers when he was down there, but it goes back quite a while. There's been, you know, um, Adrian Vavich, I think. There's been a few anyway uh, that's won this trophy. And it just goes to show that the general structure is in the right place. And, uh, you know, Roman and, you know, is the hierarchy that run the club have made it possible to set this structure up. I, I do believe that it runs within itself. Players... You know, you look at our loan system and you talk about 24, 23 amount of players that are loaned out. Well, a lot of these are youngsters that have come through the ranks and have been uh, developed by these people, Neil and uh, Jim Fraser, etc. And, and they're looked after very well. And the development is there, for all to, is, is there for everyone to see. You know, there's plenty of players playing in the Football League and in the, indeed the Premier League that have been developed by Chelsea and their academy. Um, and not just because they haven't made the grade at Chelsea Football Club doesn't necessarily mean that the system doesn't work because it works very well. It means that they've developed professional footballers who are applying their trade as such somewhere in the league. Mm. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, for me, it's not just uh, their ability to go out and win trophies year on year, year in. I mean, I watched... Uh, I watched a little bit of the game on Monday. I mean, we were actually recording the fan cast while it was on, so it was quite hard to, to do both. But uh, the little bit I did see, what really impressed me about them was the way that they play. I mean, they're, they're always on the front foot. They're, they've got pace. The passing's quick. Technically, they look very good. There's a lot of bite in midfield. Uh, defensively, they look you know mature beyond their years. But above everything else, they've got a huge amount of heart and desire. And and you know, given what we've seen from the first team this season, it, it you know there, there is a, there seems to be a disconnect there. And I, I want I mean, everybody moans all the time about well, why can't the, these players break through into the first side? And and it, and it's difficult to to know why. You know, I mean, but you've been in that situation. I mean, you had a 
you know, a quite a circuitous route into into you know top top flight football yourself. So you know, why is it so hard for these guys to break through? Well, it's not necessarily hard for them to break through. It's hard for them to break through at Chelsea and yeah. whatever level you develop it at and whatever level you know you're looking to attain. Um, it's very hard. Now, you know, you see all these kids come through under 14, 15, 16, right up to 18 into the youth team, win the FA Youth Cup and, you know, some great young kids or prospects. Um, they turn up each year. You know, we've had them all in the past, you know, going back to Josh McKeppel and we're going back to, you know, all, all the ones that have come through, um, Patrick Bamford, you know, there are all sorts of people that have um, been... Um, under the, the care and jurisdiction, if you like, of, of the aforementioned um, coaches, and but they they go have to go to other clubs to actually achieve, you know, their, their status, if you like, of being a professional footballer, and you know they don't break through at Chelsea. And it's the thing that really needs addressing now is the the gap from the age of about eighteen yeah. to about twenty three. You know, that's the the time when men become boys and, you know, understanding that little bit more. I think we have the youth structure right from 18 downwards. We've probably got it right to a degree, 18 to 23. But the transition has to be that we get it right across the board and, you know, kids do start coming through. And, you know, it, it is happening at one or two other clubs and there are kids being given the opportunity. But I think this has to happen um, everywhere and, and Chelsea fans and people have to understand that and indeed the, the hierarchy have to understand that that little bit of development um, does require a little bit of patience as well but patience and I understand their format uh, the patience of giving one player the opportunity and time to develop in the first team will not be at the expense of losing trophies, going out of competitions, and managers getting the sack. It's a very thin line between the two. And that's what that's where you've got to have an understanding <clears throat> between the board, the 18 to 23 coaches, the players themselves, and everything. You know, it, that's what makes it hard, uh, the understanding of everyone. If a manager is under pressure, he's not going to pick the youngster. He's going to pick the most experienced and best team he can. If the board are putting the manager under pressure and they require results, they're going to demand that the manager picks the best team. You know, so therefore, the player who's developing won't necessarily get the game time. And therefore, that's why you don't get the opportunity to develop because you're not getting the game time at that level. So therein lies the problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the other thing I wonder is is with the loan system because I think I think you've got a point. If, if they can't, you know, that there, there is a gap between... Uh, you know, eighteen being eighteen, and and then going into the first team, unless you're absolutely exceptional. So you do need game time at the, at the, in the men's in the men's standard, if you like. So you know, it, given that we do loan out so many players, and yet so few manage to come back and really make it. You know, is there something that we could address in the loan system, perhaps? You know, I mean, I'll give you an example. I think I think Andreas Christensen benefited hugely. Uh, by playing a couple of years at Borussia Dortmund, where he was playing, you know, they were in the, you know, the, the, they were competing for the league in Germany, but also competing in the Champions League. So he was playing a, a really decent level of football, and I have a suspicion that that's really benefited him. So maybe Chelsea should be looking to get their players out at a higher level rather than loaning them to a kind of a second division or third division team. Yep, uh, this might well be the answer. Um, you know, development and game time. 
to be able to go into Chelsea is, is not no disrespect to their development going out at a, a, um, a club of, of a lower ilk you know yeah. um, exactly right um, but the trouble is these players and it's the assessment of these players and their ability they've got to be able to get into the team that they go out on loan yeah. for they've got to be playing on a regular basis and you know once again it, it, it comes back to the manager at the club and, and, and the, what the club is going to do to, for players who go out on loan and, and get in game time you know, you, the only reason you put players out on loan is to develop them. Well, they don't develop any more being at a different club and, and being in the other club's reserves or, or not getting a game Absolutely. or sitting on the bench. They have to play. and But there's no prerequisite that a manager can be dictated to by the parent club um, who picks a side. So, again, it comes down to the same, the same thing that I'm saying. The board, the manager and the development of the player to get himself into this team when they do go out on loan. It, it's a very hard situation. Mm. And, you know, and Chelsea take a decision, say to a player, yeah, you go out on loan. You know, but then they have to get into the side. They don't get any promises when they go out on loan. They're going to be given the opportunity. Well, if it's to a, a, a club in the Championship, for example, and they're not getting in there, their development is hardly going to be enough for them to come back to Chelsea and play in like the Champions League. Mm. And therein lies the problem, I think. But uh, that aside, I think you're right to mention uh, Neil Barth and uh, Jody Morris and, and the others who have done a great job, I think, uh, uh, you know, producing and a very, very talented crop. Well, yeah. Yeah, and, and Dermot Drummy, of course, we should mention, the sad, sad, yeah. who sadly died not so long ago. But, uh, I mean, do you think... Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk, um, you know, this year about Conte... Uh, not having Steve Holland at his side, which means it's the first time for quite a while that we've not had somebody who's kind of more Chelsea, if you like, and English, uh, you know, assisting the the manager. Um, do you think there's potential for somebody like Jody Morris to come in as a number two going down the line? Who knows? Um, you know, I'm sure Jody would want to um, play his trade and, and, and try and pass on the knowledge that he's gained in, in his football career um, to someone. That's why he's... Mm in the position he's in um, doing what he's done you know as I mentioned before Brendan Rodgers you mentioned you know Dermot Drummond there's, there's people before who's gone on and uh, been part of uh, youth structures um, Paul Clement is another one you know yeah. they, they all come through various um, areas in their development and at some stage or other they they take the plunge and try management and I'm sure Jody and you know all, all youth managers and coaches and, and so on uh, across the across the world, um, that's their aim. Um, they learn their trade and they get the opportunity somewhere. Um, that is the situation. And yes, there is a possibility. Um, but I, I just going back to Steve Holland. Yeah, Steve will be missed, and he's done a, a very good job here. But I don't overstate or understate the importance of any particular one. Um, the way I see football, I think that it takes a combination of everything to click to make it right. And you know, if you've got one area pulling in the wrong direction and like I think that's where we are at the moment we've got different people pulling in different directions that's why it's not working um, at at Chelsea I think I'm not saying it's totally um, devoid and it's not working and it's you know we're we're struggling I think that just there's there's antagonisms and I think that people are not quite pulling in the same direction Mm. and in in various in various areas and and I think that's what that's what shows that just leaves us a little bit short but yes Jody's a possibility, but putting Jody as a number two is not going to all of a sudden make Chelsea right. 
Um, no. I, I think there, there needs to be a little bit of fine-tuning, uh, perhaps a, <laughs> a little bit more than fine-tuning if, if you want to take it a bit further. We're not just off it, we are off the pace. And uh, that's where we are at the moment. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Indeed. Well, uh, we'll be talking all about the uh, the youth and, and how we try and sort what seems to be the insoluble problem out on the uh, the Chelsea fancast on the Love Sport Radio uh, network tonight. Uh, it's a couple of hours. It's between seven o'clock and nine. Uh, and uh, tonight it'll be Dan Silver and Jonathan Kidd, but not me. I'm having a, a night off for various reasons. But uh, best thing about the show, of course, is that you can actually phone in and join in the show and debate anything you want with us live. And the number to call is 0208 70 20 558. And you can find Love Sport at 558 a.m. and on all your digital DAB channels as well as uh, the internet. Of course, it's on lovesportradio.com. And you can use apps like Radio Player and tune in, search for Love Sport Radio. So look forward to that. Uh, of course, they'll also be talking very much about uh, the match coming up this Sunday, which of course is against Liverpool. Uh, and uh, Liverpool, much much as it pains me to say it as a Chelsea supporter, are now Champions League finalists again. Um, one would imagine, Kerry, that that makes them favourites for Sunday, doesn't it? Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, <laughs> Good you know, man. Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't make them favourites. Um, I think if uh, if I was a betting man, or something which is a, a bit would have been a bit unique, um, uh, I, I would probably put Chelsea as well. I'd say it'd be a fifty-fifty situation. Um, and I said I said that tongue in cheek, by the way. If I was a betting man, you probably <laughs> guessed. Um, uh, yeah, on current form, Liverpool. Many people would fancy to win, but they're still coming at Stamford Bridge, and uh, you know it's not something that uh, would ever make them favourites. I don't think um, they have put in some decent performances in recent years at the Bridge. Um, 
And I remember one very famous one when I was playing when Kenny Dalglish came and they were favourites on that occasion. Kenny Dalglish scored the winner. Um, they beat us 1-0 and they'd done the double. Um, um, that was one time they come, but I remember a few other times when we beat them 4-2 and, and so on and, and, and we beat them 3-1. Got quite a good history. I don't know, you'll probably know better than me the stats Chelsea beat Liverpool over the years, but you know, I, I've got some good memories of uh, Chelsea um, beating Liverpool uh, at the bridge, certainly not too many at Anfield, but you know, definitely at the bridge um, over the yeah. course of the last 30 odd years. But um, Champions League final, congratulations, by the way. I think uh, it, it was two wonderful semi finals to watch as a neutral. And I'm glad, you know, people who know me as an Englishman, uh, Chelsea fans wouldn't want necessarily to hear this, but as an Englishman, um, I wanted the English team in the, in the Champions League final. Um, that's just my view. Uh, and I'm I'm glad that Liverpool are there. It, 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 I look forward to watching Liverpool Real Madrid. Um, having said that, uh, many Chelsea fans don't want any other English clubs, and I, I don't <laughs> quite get this. Um, certainly not Liverpool or Tottenham or whatever. I, I understand the mentality, but I don't know where you stand on it. But well, I'll tell um, you in a minute. <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather watch Liverpool Real Madrid than Roma Real Madrid. It's just it's just a personal yeah. point of view, as, as something to watch on the telly. But um, congratulations, back to the game. It's going to be interesting. I'll, uh, Chelsea need it. Uh, I, I do believe we can. We, we, sh- we, we should. We should. If we beat Liverpool, we should beat Huddersfield. And you know, this is as I see it. And I don't know what the run-ins are of the other of the other clubs, but there's an outside chance of us catching them. And obviously, while there's a, a chance, uh, I still hope that we can do it. And uh, mm. therein lies the desire that uh, makes me think we can win the game on Sunday. Mm. Well, we'll pick up on that in a sec, but uh, I, I can try and explain, uh, if you like, why so many of us uh, now, you know, very, what we're, you know, most of the people I know will be cheering Real Madrid on in the Champions League final, and I know you find right. that a bit of an anathema, but I'll explain why. When when yeah. we were growing up, and uh, Liverpool and Forest and everybody else was winning uh, what was then the European Cup, it was very, very different, because yeah. in those days, of course, you only had one English team in it. And that was that would be the champions. And what's changed is the fact that you now have four English clubs competing in the Champions League, and effectively we are competing against each other. So I think now you find that you know Chelsea see Liverpool, Man United, City, whoever as rivals for for the Champions League trophy. So that's where the enmity is. That's why we don't want them to win it because we're now rivals. Whereas. 30, 40 years ago, there was only one team in it. So if it was one team in it and they were English, then you were more likely to back them, I think. But I think that's all gone because now we're all all competing for it together. So I think it's changed. I think we've become rivals in Europe, which makes it much harder to support them. Does that make any sense? No. Uh, As far as as rivals are concerned, I fully understand that. And if you're playing against... When you're playing against them, like Chelsea, Liverpool, we had the trilogy under Jose and, and yeah. so on, Benitez, etc. Um, I fully understand that. Um, but having gone there, uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a patriot, and I, I, you know, I want England to win the World Cup and so on, and all this sort of thing. I, I, I want Liverpool to beat Real Madrid. I, you know, I, you talk about knowing who the Spanish teams are. I do know, but if I was being a bit facetious, I'd say, well, you know, do you want? Uh, I'm not. Everyone knows Cristiano Ronaldo, but do you want, uh, say, Anisco, Benzema? You, you, you know, do you know these people? No, you don't. Um, some people argue you don't know some of the Liverpool team, but um, no, I, I want Liverpool to win it. Um, and 
if, if Manchester City would have progressed, I want them. But I fully understand their rivals. But when we've gone out of the competition, I look at the next English team, I'm afraid. And that's that's what I do. I sit, I don't take no pleasure in Real Madrid winning it five, six, seven, eight times. And I get no, I get no pleasure in seeing Roma win it. You know, you'd watch it as a spectacle, but no, um, it, it makes it a little bit more interesting for me, whether it be Liverpool, um, dare I say Tottenham, you know, uh, Manchester City, uh, Man United or so on. Um, we have a domestic rivalry, I fully understand. Um, but we have a patriot patriotism, which should believe. And I, I know I'm not going to convince everyone, it's just my view. Um, and, and I want an English club to win, if indeed Chelsea can't. And while Chelsea are in the competition, obviously there's only one person or one club that I would want to win. Um, but once they go out, then I'll be looking and hoping for the next English club, I'm afraid. That's just my view. No, fair enough, Kerry. That's kind of why we love you, mate. That's superb. Um, anyway, we should go back to the game, really. And, you know, in, in a sense, there's nothing to play for. But I think you're right. There is still a very outside chance that we might just catch them up and sneak into the uh, to fourth place. And I'm kind of wondering, actually, you know, on the, on the back of their exertions, um, you know, last last week in the in the Champions League, I mean, it, it, it was quite a fraught night for them, in a sense. So I wonder if... They might be a bit fatigued, um, you know, either either mentally or physically. So maybe that might just give us the edge in this match. Well, if it was Jose Mourinho at the helm, I'm, I'm sure he'd be telling everyone, and he was, uh, he'd be saying that you know Liverpool very much underdogs because of their exertion, because of what they had to do, and the poor old players had to play in a semi-final <laughs> and all the rest of it. But um, how dreadful that is playing in semi-finals and having to go and play a league game five days later. I don't. As anyone who ever listens, I do not give any credence to the fact that they have the success means that they are underdogs uh, in any capacity. You know, success breeds success and games, goodness me, they played a game five days before, um, four or five days, yeah, five days before, uh, four, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four or five days before. Really? I used to love a game on a Tuesday and a Saturday or even a Wednesday and Saturday, three days before. And listen, Having played the game, people say it's different. It is no different at all. A game of football is a game of football. The pressure of the game of football and all the rest of it, you might say, oh, the travelling, it's into Europe and so on. I've, I've heard it all before. I do not buy into it at all. You know, um, I really don't. They've got a squad, they've got international players who are used to this sort of system. They, they grow up with it. Um, no. I don't give anything. If Chelsea go and beat them, it's got nothing to do with the fact they've got a semi-final. Um, you know, excuses from everyone. It's, it's a totally different game. Chelsea versus Liverpool. And when I say we've got an outside chance, we've got a very slim chance. You know, I, I'm not saying it was a tongue-in-cheek, but I'm one of them that thinks if, until the mathematics work out and we can't, I, I, I hope, and you know, there is a very slim outside chance that we can. Um, but I think it could go either way at the weekend. I really do. I think mm. uh, Liverpool are capable of coming there and their forwards are a threat, I have to say. You know, the pace of Mane and Salah, you know, I don't necessarily go along with Firmino. I mean, some people say he's the one that makes it tick and uh, everyone's got their ideas. They said the same about Coutinho, how brilliant he was. He's now gone and left the club and they've been elevated a little bit, (laughs) you know. Hmm. Um, I I, I don't necessarily go along with that, but collectively, going forward, they are a very exciting side. Um, And like I say on the Chelsea issues, it's working for them going forward, and I think they're getting better defensively. I don't think they're the finished article defensively. I think there's goals to be had there, um, but I do think they are getting better. You know, um, 
with Lovren and Van Dijk, I, you know, I think it's not bad. Um, mm. And, and the, the two young fullbacks that come in, you know, I think they're not bad. There, there goes something. Like they bought one in from a hole, and uh, another youngster. So it does go that people can get through at big clubs um, in certain positions if given the opportunity. And I, I, I quite like their manager as well, Klopp. I think he, he's. I, I like him. Right? He, he goes against the grain. He, he's a German. He's coming to English football. Um, but I, 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 he's one of their managers I, I, I quite like, and uh, I've got to say, not just because he's in the Champions League final. I thought. He's generally doing a decent job there. And, uh, you know, it's just one of them things. Having mm. said that, I love our club an awful lot more, and I hope that we beat them. <laughs> and, uh, and it doesn't matter about our situation, no matter whether you like this one, like that one, or whatever. Uh, I hope that Chelsea win it at the weekend, and I, I do still think it's possible. I think if we, if we are if we are going to beat them, Kerry, we, we are going to have to stop uh, Mo Salah, who's who's had an outstanding season. I mean, quite phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I remember watching him for Chelsea, and he couldn't hit a cow's yeah. ass with a banjo, and yet he's now turned into this world class player this year, which is astonishing. Um, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, Alonso's been uh, suspended, obviously, for the last three games, and Emerson's come in, and I actually think he's done a pretty good job. He looks a good player. He's got a lot of pace. Uh, and he could clearly cross the ball as well. And he actually looks a bit more solid uh, defensively than Alonso does. So I'm, I'm wondering whether Conte might uh, pick him uh, in a sense to try and you know help stem the threat of, of Salah. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think he'll pick Emerson or do you, do you think well, he'll go back to Alonso? And, and how do we stop Salah? Well, I'm, not sure. Sorry, I'm, not, I'm not sure that he's playing down that side. I think it's, it's he? Say on the right, unless I'm confused. Uh, I'm not. You know, have you got this right, or have I got it right, or have I got it I'm right? I'm not sure to be um, honest, mate. I think I think they play Sané and Salah. They might swap or whatever. Sané on the right, Salah on the left. But I'm not sure. And, you know, you've got a situation whereby that's pretty correct. It might be down that side. I, you know, again, you try to guess the teams and so on. Um, but I'll go along with Emerson, looking a decent player. Yeah, mm. he looks fine. Um, I think he's more than capable. I like Alonso. I've got to be honest. I, yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a believer. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, What's what's broke with Alonso? He hasn't done nothing wrong apart from getting suspended. Um, I wouldn't have a qualm with picking either. Um, So for me, on based on what I've seen, he he hasn't done nothing wrong, and yeah, on on that side. Um, But you talk about um, stopping players. um, Take this season out, and you know, obviously, you can't take it out. And ask anyone across the board in the country, neutral or otherwise. Would you take Eden Hazard or Mo Salah? Um, Eden Hazard would have been a, a hands-down winner. Um, you talk about stopping Mo Salah. Um, Eden Hazard, um, we're talking about Mo Salah, the best player in the world, one of the best players, and everyone's getting, as they normally do, overhyped up. If he has an average season next year, um, it'll be, oh, Salah's had an average season. I remember a few years ago, Eden Hazard was voted double player of the year, and, and he was virtually untouchable. Um he doesn't. He doesn't. All of a sudden, a, a year or two two later, become a player that you know people don't think about. Liverpool might be thinking about. Well, can they stop him? And should they stop him? And, and so on. Um, but Solari is having one of them seasons. But I don't think that, uh, Chelsea will give um, an over importance as to how to stop Mo Salah. But Chelsea will be trying to get their own act in order and thinking if they can play to the best they possibly can, then. Uh, they at least on paper have have the equal of, of Liverpool. I feel, 
you know, or people will argue on current form, they've got some certain world-class players, certainly Salah, and, you know, maybe, I don't know what that is called, world-class, I don't, I don't know, the, the terms are used very rashly, I feel, these days, but, but we have one in most in uh, Eden Hazard, and he's at least the equal on any going day, if not better, I feel, than most of us. Mm. I think I think you got a point there, and the other the other one is, of course, you know, the fact that Liverpool will come to attack actually might play into Chelsea's hands because I think that they struggle a little bit at home with teams that come to defend. So I think you know we know that Liverpool's defence, whilst yes, I agree with you, I think Van Dijk's made it better. It's not impregnable, and they will come and attack, and I think they will leave space, and I I hope that we you know, with Hazard and perhaps William can try and exploit that. Um, and I, I would obviously, you know, I would pick Giroud up front. I presume you would do the same. Yep. Um, you know, um, Maratta, no matter what you say, I, I'd definitely pick Giroud. I would have stuck with him, um, you know, on what I saw. I mean, I know Conte, he, he comes down to, you know, Maratta, £60 million worth of player. He's younger, he's got more of a future, I guess, um, if indeed that is the case. Um, but, you know, I, I would I would have stuck with Giroud personally um, as a centre forward and, and, and play Hazard and William off him. Um, that's either side, if, you know, depending which system he's going to play and so on. But trying to pick uh, Conte's side for him, you know, it's the same as like picking you know uh, any any manager. You can't try and double guess them because they might try and come up with something super whereby they they'll win the game and become the, the you know whatever they they want to become um, super tactics or what a brilliant innovation they've done or something like that this is what our managers think these days um, the bottom line is and I'm still a, a traditionalist that 11 players will go out and 11 players will compete on both sides and the best team will win on the day and then there'll be substitutes to be made for right or for wrong and judgments will be made here on in that, that's effectively a game of football um, mm. and the best 11 I would pick at the moment Giroud in that ahead of Morata yeah yeah well, you couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better myself. You're right. The best 11, uh, the ones who want it more on the day will win. Uh, let's hope for our sakes that it's Chelsea Kerry on Sunday. I'll be there. I know you'll be there as well. So let's have, we have a, a good day. Uh, and of course, it's been brilliant to have you back, mate. We've missed you. So uh, I look forward to speaking to you again next week. But thanks very much for today. Let's hope so, Dave. And uh, we've still got a cup final to look forward to. And, uh, you know, a few league games. But... Uh... Cup final against United in the not-too-distant future. Absolutely right. We'll speak to you next week. Cheers, mate. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.